Welcome back to the Enjoy the Walk podcast, ladies and gentlemen. Pumped to get into it this week. We've got some exciting news surrounding the PGA Tour, the Champions Tour, Dante's experience with an LPGA Tour course, which I can't wait to get into. Dante, man, you uh, you had quite the experience over the weekend. Yeah, I uh, I got my ass kicked. I'll tell you what. I, uh, I was going in there. I was pumped. I did homework. I did my research. I watched because uh, I played a uh, I played in a two-man better ball event with my buddy Ryan from uh from the deer um college kid he's getting back into back in the competitive golf which is great he's gonna be playing on their club team which is awesome to see and you know he's excited to get into competitive golf so he texted me the other day and you know a week before whatnot and he goes hey you want to play in a, in a two-man event I said sure and funny enough the two-man event was held by next gen golf which we did interview which exactly, um, if you Tyler, guys want to so. check out exactly what Next Gen Golf is, <laughs> what they're all about, go back to season one. We interviewed them in season one, um, and and they foreshadowed, you know, exactly what you played in some two man better ball events, some some exciting events to get the average golfer uh, out there playing these high end courses. Yeah, and it's and it's neat too because the event is actually a four man team, but they pair you in pairs, obviously, like two person some pairs so you don't play with like your foursomes not your team because of you know tournament and to keep everybody honest which is great but you have a pair score and then you have a team score through like the four of you um which was really cool to see and you know they had two events you had the better ball option or you had the or the scramble option and obviously since we were playing you know we we're putting some decent money into it and you know you like to play your own ball so we decided to play the better ball event which i I'm a huge fan of uh, better ball events. I think there needs to be a ton more. Absolutely love that setup. I think we're starting to see it because you, you can still play golf and still play competitive and trying to put your score, but you can still have an opportunity to win. Say if you blew up on a bad hole, because Mm -hmm. then you can just say, Hey, sorry, partner, but I need you to uh, carry me on this hole. So you can still compete and still have a chance to win, even if you have an absolute blow-up hole. That was not the case this past Saturday. We played Seaview, Seaview Golf Resort down in uh, Galloway, right outside of Atlantic City, New Jersey, which is the same. We played the Bay. They have two courses, the Pine Course and the Bay Course. The Bay Course is the same course that the LPGA plays the ShopRite Classic. And Funny enough, they played it two weeks before we actually stepped foot on that course. So I was pumped. I was excited. I couldn't wait to step on there. I mean, I've never played. I probably played. No, I've never played a course that was actually a, a professional setup um, where they actually had like like a PGA, LPGA mm-hmm. or PGA event, which was awesome to see. And like it was like you really kind of get this or or whatever you want to call it where you're just pumped because you're stepping on the same turf that you know like Lydia Ko and the and the Corda sisters and just like you name it all these like LPGA stars played in this event so I thought it was just badass that we were going to play in this event and you know go out and same course well and i mean foreshadow it set it up for the listeners how long because this is what amps you up the most how long was the course and what's Uh, the course rating why were you walking in with so much confidence going into yeah we we were so confident we were were actually got to the point we were cocky and uh i'll get into it too so the course we played we played the blue tees which is their back tees and it's only 6300 yards and i think the the rating is like a 69 and a half. So we're sitting there like, dude, this is because usually we play, we play anywhere from 65 to 6,700 yards on a normal basis. Like the group, like Ryan and I play, or like the group of guys I play with. So we're like 6,300 yards. Oh man, this, this is going to be a cakewalk dude. Bombs all day, birdies all day. Yeah, that wasn't the case. We so, I mean, just smoked. to set this up too, you got smoked. I mean, you guys smoked. absolutely got murdered. And we'll get into why in a minute, but (laughs) I love this. You guys got murdered, right? And you're a single digit handicap. This is just, he's a, he's a four and I'm a five. So So, this is just to let the folks know how good these ladies are. Mel Reed, who won the ShopRite Classic at Seaview at the same course you played from most likely similar or a little, maybe a little longer tees. 
finish the weekend four day tournament finish the weekend at 19 under par <laughs> yep we sh- uh, let me tell you this a four to five four handicap shot 91 five handicap shot 90 and these were generous because they say a max score of triple bogey so why Dude, did you started- why did you guys blow up why did this course eat you to bits and pieces oh i'm telling you if you're not accurate you are absolutely doomed Dude, I mean, you cannot take – I don't care. Wherever you go, you cannot take the slope rating, and you cannot take the the yardage, literally, because it. you can play that or you can play like a 7,000 course, dude, and you can play a 7,000 course that's even easier than like a 6,300-yard course. You do not – you cannot look at it face value and be like, this is be a cakewalk. And reason being is if you miss the fairway, you're in fescue. And good luck finding the ball. You have wind coming off the bay that were just, it was just constant like wind. And I'm telling you, and we were playing after a storm the, the day before. So the wind was a little bit heavier, closer to the base. Like when, cause the holes, some of the holes went out and you got closer to the bay mm-hmm. and it obviously got windier. And dude, I'm telling you, I was hitting drives. I, I struck the ball really well, except for a few, few shots. I mean, we don't have to get into that. I mean, we might, uh, but got destroyed because i mean we i hit like a great drive dude and next thing i know the wind just took it and it was see you later and i landed in fescue and i I had to hack it out of there and then i ended up in this like fairway bunker and then i hacked it out again dude it was nuts well and i think you know we're kind of foreshadowing the interview we're gonna get into with allison kurt we talked to her about how great these women golfers are how great these professionals are on the women's side of the ball you know it's constantly a conversation as men who get their egos way too pumped up say oh well these ladies they they barely hit it farther than i do on a good day you know like I, i could probably compete with these ladies um a single digit handicap barely and didn't break 90 um I'm looking at last place here. The last place in the cut line was 75-79 at the ShopRite Classic two weeks ago. And like I said, first place being 19 under. These girls are good. And to just to kind of deflate those egos even more, um, the, the leader never shot around above 67. Yeah. It, so <laughs> you these, these girls can it, play they're on a whole a, nother level just when you think a, you can compete with an lpga tour pro think again yeah and it's amazing how accurate they are because the greens were small and they were kind of all i mean it was a donald ross design so you know you got this turtle turtle back <laughs> but dude i'm telling you oh my god and it was weird too because i think we figured it out to a way how the greens were the course kind of was built and it was like on an angle down to the bay, right? So you would think the general rule, everything breaks towards the water. Dude, we were on greens that looked uphill and we were facing the water and they were faster than if we were coming <laughs> back and they looked downhill because technically it was uphill. Dude, it was the trickiest thing. And you know, running deer, you know how undulated those greens are. So we were so used to seeing break. Dude, these things were so subtle. I mean, we were staring at it, trying to figure out, is this moving right or left? Or we had no idea. And well, so that's the, that's to, the genius of Donald Ross. Yeah. It just goes, it just goes to show how good the LPGA, uh, these, these ladies are at, at playing and these professionals, it just shows how accurate they are and how great of putters they are. I mean, they are, because like I said, we were hitting, we were trying to play like an aggressive conservative strategy. Mm-hmm. So some holes we were after looking at when I did like my research, I was like, wow, I'm only going to pull driver maybe on a couple holes. Right mm-hmm. No, I mean, the wind started kicking in and dude, I, I, the back nine, I said, screw it. I'm going to try the Bryson DeChambeau mode and just try and hit it as far as possible. <laughs> I don't care where it goes. That didn't help either because I mean, if you missed, you were done. And, and another thing that I thought was, was shocking and just so impressive was the 17th hole is 115 yards par three into like the green and it float it, it um it's it slopes back to front right but you don't know like you couldn't i hit the middle of the green dude that thing came sucking it sucked back a little bit and then kept rolling back and came off the green and it's surrounded by five bunkers right so we're on the we're on the tee box and we're waiting and i'm like yo where are the pros divots because I mean, there's divots 
everywhere. We're like, yo, where are the girls' divots? Where are the girls' divots? And Buddy Ryan's like, dude, they're probably back here. They probably moved it all the way back, dude. I'm telling you, he goes, look for this. He goes, look for the straight line. Look for the straight line, dude. You walk back, so you see we're on the front of the tee box with like the blue tees on the front. You see divots like all over the way, all over the place. You can see how like some of them were heel strikes, toe strikes. So you know how like it like kind of like points like that. You know what I'm amateur strikes is what you're saying. Amateur strikes, (laughs) dude. You backed up a couple feet. I'm telling you, dude, these things had a perfect line of where the club bottomed out. And it was just this perfect rectangle divot. It was insane. Purina. I'm just, <laughs> I'm just standing over there and just in awe, just looking at divots and just knowing how well of ball strikers these ladies are. Dude, I'm telling you, from seeing some LPGA tournaments in the past, going and seeing an LPGA event live and just watching the ball striking display that is on all week long at these events it's incredible these ladies are unbelievable they're obviously obviously world-class individuals they're world-class players um kudos to them for putting on an absolute show two weeks ago and then with you getting to see it humbling you and and some of your uh counterparts of i don't don't think anyone in the event you played in finished under 75 so it seems like it humbled the whole field uh that was out there that past weekend our our other pair that was on our team they came back and they said dude, that was, that was awful. It was, it was so, it was difficult. I mean, I mean, it was damp cold from the rain. It was still wet. There was standing water on a few spots. Wind was whipping, you know, and then you're like, okay, well, if we can get past that, we got this short course. Nope. Yeah. We, dude, I mean, we, we bogeyed the first hole and then we both tripled and then we doubled the next one. And I think we tripled or something like the next dude, it was, we didn't have a par until I think the seventh or eighth hole, and it wasn't even a par. I birdied. We had no pars. It was bogeys, doubles, and triples. It was just terrible. Well, I tell you what, um, it's good to know that uh, at least one set of individuals can play that course, and it was not you guys. Uh, it was yeah. obviously the LPGA pros. So I'll, I'll re- really, I'll really need to story. have it. We got smoked. Hey, really, really need to have that experience, though. I mean, to see the numbers the ladies put up uh, two weeks before you could get out there, basically playing the same course. We didn't have a crazy amount of you know dry weather to make it harder. We had a little bit of rain. It made it a little wetter, but it wasn't like overall a crazy different course. It was further most part the same course there was no difference in setup and things like that to be able to have that experience and play on an on a professional golf level course men or women's side of the ball it, it really neat to i imagine really need to experience yeah it, it's a lot of fun too because you know the professionals that you follow their foot there they made the same steps on that course as you did so i thought that was a lot of that was what's up nelly corda yeah, <laughs> that was uh that was one of the coolest uh, aspects of it, but damn, I would like to get back out there and play again, which is great. It is a public track because they have, um, it is a resort, so you can stay and play. I'd like to play their other course too. I'd like to get back and kind of redeem myself, dude. I'm telling you, I was, I was getting out the eBay post again to, to post that post the clubs. On, and you know, on. speaking of it, it, speaking of it being a, a, a public course, I'm seeing $119 to play a, a professional tour uh, venue that doesn't seem all that expensive. I mean, obviously not the cheapest track in the land, but when you're talking professional golf, when we switch over to the CJ cup and look at that, you can't play it. You have to stay at the MGM Graham to play uh, shadow Creek. And then when you do stay at the MGM Graham, it's still $500 to play. So like, you know, when you talk about exclusivity that most of these tour courses are um, for only $119 as a resort course, that's not all that bad to go play what the ladies play. No, and after like the rain that we had, it was still in pretty damn good shape besides some of the low end, the low spots and more towards the the bay. You're going to get um, some standing water. But other than that, I mean, it played, I mean, the green, the greens rolled pretty damn good. Uh, the the rough was, was pretty thick and the fairways were just flush. So, I mean, I couldn't complain on the, of the course itself um, and it, this aesthetics and the way it played, I just wish I played a little bit better. And that's, that's one thing. Another thing, like we said before, like competitive golf, we don't play enough. And I was going in pretty confident. I was going pretty excited, but dude, I think subconsciously the pressure got to me and we just folded. I tell you what, that professional or competitive golf 
anywhere is hard to play, let alone on a professional course. I think we saw that this week, kind of going out to the CJ Cup. You know, when we see pros coming down the stretch, we oftentimes forget how tough this game can be because these guys make it look so easy. I mean, you had Jason Kokrak come down the stretch Sunday and shoot 64, right? You had Xander Shoffley trying to hold him off. He shot a final round 65. But like, as you go down the leaderboard, a lot of the guys weren't making a Sunday charge. Russell Henley dropped some spots. Taylor Gooch dropped spots. Lando Griffin dropped five spots. You know, a lot of these guys down the leaderboard that were contending, you know, mid-70s rounds. And you you almost forget, like, yeah, I mean... (laughs) you're playing in a little bit of pressure as a next gen golf tournament, but these pros, man, they're paying for hundreds of thousands of dollars and and, and they're folding too. So it's at least, you know, pressure builds no matter the scenario, but these guys play in each and every week. So they're, um, you know, they're playing a little bit more often than the rest of us. Yeah. I mean, yeah, they're playing. It's, it's amazing how these guys can go day in day out. I get it. it. It's their job. That's, this is their nine to five and it's not even, it's more than that. It's like they're, they're putting in 12, 14 hour days every day and they're prepping the, the weeks before and, you know, they're playing practice rounds leading up to the, to the event. So, I mean, these guys, you know, I mean, th- this is what they practice. They practice their nine for, to five and then that's some. It. They, they practice for this yet. They still, when they tee it up and it counts, you see some fold. Well, I tell you what, you know, you talk about putting the clubs on eBay. I can only imagine. I mean, you talk about a guy who's been out there for over a decade now on the tour, um, you know, got his PGA tour card in 2011, uh, I believe. So he's on his 10th season now with his wraparound schedule, but Jason Kokrak has played 233 tournaments before ever breaking the seal and winning. You got to imagine how many times his clubs have been on eBay. That and just the soul. Yeah. And this, yeah, pretty much the salt fact of just giving up the game. I mean, that takes a lot of mental strength to just basically say, you know what, I'm just going to keep pushing and I'm going to keep pushing and keep pushing because, I mean, over 200 events to the to where, you know, you don't even win. And you like, you know, you can compete with these guys because I know his name's been up in the leader uh, in the leader charts before on some tournaments and you know he's like oh hey here's this guy and then he do- doesn't come out and get it done so like i mean that's gotta eat it down mentally like crazy. i mean and what a what a gift I, I guess you could almost say um i i mentioned just earlier about how mgm you have to stay in an mgm resort to play shadow creek um kokrak's actually sponsored by mgm so he plays this course all the time and with this crazy covid times you know the cj cup is technically a a south korean sponsored event the the company is from south korea they typically hold it in south korea but with all the travel restrictions they hosted it in the united states in vegas at shadow creek basically what kokrak called a second home so it was pretty neat to see a a local guy i guess you could call a local guy because of his sponsorship relating back to mgm grand um you know take it home. It was neat to see him almost have what you call home field advantage um, and feel comfortable inside the ropes and, 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 you know, within that course. And I can only imagine playing it hundreds and hundreds of times being sponsored by the MGM grand brand. Um, Really, really cool to see. Um, And and it was neat to see too, the other pros embrace Kokrak's win. They all knew he's been out there for so long. Pat Perez made a big deal of it. Another local Vegas guy. Um, You had Kevin Na make a kind of a a cool tribute. It was really neat to see the, you know, the guys out there recognizing the other guy that just has been putting in the hard work for over a decade and finally breaking through. Yeah. And I think these, these all, and that's the cool part about it that we always talk about the camaraderie within the game and the camaraderie within the influencers and the brands and whatnot, you you're all pushing for each other. Uh, it's, I mean, yeah, you're out there, you're competing, you, you know, you want to do better than the other, but at the same time underneath, you know, you're like, you know what, I, I want to see them. These are like my colleagues. These are my peers. I want to see them do well. Right. So, you know what? everybody sees that and they know certain guys are putting in the work and you know, some guys are going through hard times and, you know, and you see like this guy be able to, you know, face the adversity and pull out a W and, Mm -hmm. you know, it's like hats off to the guy. It's not like, I'm I'm bitter and I'm just going to, you know, screw this guy, you know, screw him. He won. I should have won. Like, it's like, you know what? The best man played that day or that week and the best man won. So like, congrats to you. I'll get you next time. 100%. I mean, you look at it and, and a guy who just won 
the week prior, the BMW PJ Championship over in Wentworth in, uh, in the England area. Terrell Hatton was chasing this man down, finished with a 65, almost, almost got it done, but just not quite enough. Um, and obviously, you know, better, I think better known for him breaking the internet with the hoodie rather than actually winning the BMW championship. Um, you know, let's talk about that for a minute. I mean, I don't think we touched on it enough last week. Um, the, the hoodie broke the internet this past week that everyone was talking about it from influencers to golf brands, to people who don't even golf are saying, what's the big deal. Um, I think that's our kind of consensus over like what is the big deal you know we love playing muni golf we love playing golf where you can just go walk nine real quick and at the end of the day does a collared shirt truly matter and and i don't think it does especially as we get into the fall here in the off season time yeah i agree i mean i'll start with like the hoodie if you want to wear a hoodie by all means go right ahead i'm not going to be offended but i'll tell you what i'm not putting on a hoodie because that damn hood is going to mentally get in my head and I'm just gonna just be bothered by it and I like we've talked about this before too I'm not a fan of like when I think hoodie I'm thinking like the the big old sweatshirt gildan hoodie right you and me both right with the pot with the pouch in the front so like it's just like this big baggy hoodie and like to me baggy kind of just gets in the way Mm -hmm. right I feel like it's like if it's loose in the arms, it's going to hang down and something's going to get caught. I think that's just mentally, that's just going to get in my, I think I'm going to get in the way. I like kind of something more, a little bit tighter, a little bit, just gets out of my way. Right. Cause like same with like playing with like a baggy loot untucked shirt, you know, your hands are kind of down low and then you come across the handle can get caught from the shirt and game over. Right. So to me, like a hoodie, I just feel like the hoodie's just going to get, get in my way. So well, I'm, and, and, and I'm to all defenses hoodie, of but- like, classic hoodies your classic gildan hoodie like you're talking about tyrell hatton was wearing a performance yeah like it was pullover with a hood basically it was a pullover with a hood and i mean there's nothing wrong with that and like i loved it i honestly loved the look right i mean yeah it was a good look and he pulled it off and i like you said he he pulled it over his head when he was holding the trophy which was hilarious but i mean it kind of goes back to like when i was up in up in new york at the lake and across the street, I went to the Muni and wore gym shorts and a t-shirt. Man, I was like so comfortable. This is great. I can like roll out of bed and go to the course, but no one cared. I was like, I was out there playing golf and that's like the essence of it. Right. That's like, we're out there to play golf and have a good time. Like why, why do I do something? And here's another thing, like after work, you know, I work in a warehouse, right? So, you know, I'm in, I'm in ratty jeans, boots and a t-shirt, mm-hmm. but I gotta, if I want to go and my course is right around the corner. And if I want to go play, I'm like, I got to pack some clothes and I got to make sure, you know, and then I got to take time to get dressed and change. And that kind of, that can take a few minutes. Like it adds up quick though. Exactly. I'm fighting against the sunlight now. So it's like, Oh, I got to sit there and I'm not wearing like those clothes in a, in a warehouse. You know what I mean? So it's well, like, it's, it's just like, unfortunate when you see something like this take the limelight in a fact where the golf should be signing through. You know, that's where problem. that's where that gap, that's where that bridge needs to occur for us to truly become like this worldwide global sport. You know, it's like there, I forget what comedian says it, but he makes a joke about soccer and he's like, why is soccer the most widely played sport in the world? Because a soccer ball, a, you can make your own soccer ball B if you have to go buy one, it's like $8 and it can last you a lifetime. And that needs to transition itself into the game of golf. And when you start adding wardrobe costs, when you start adding needing a specific set of something, you, we already you start know golf's expensive. As yeah, you start building this price list that all of a sudden creates such a gap in who can play before you can even talk about playing or starting to play. You know, before you can even think about stepping on a golf course, it creates this gap. And when we narrow that gap and shut down that kind of like barrier, that's when golf's truly going to explode. I agree. I mean, I mean, it's already turning into an athletic sport before it was just, you know, a couple rich, rich, rich guys, fat, rich guys going out and playing golf or whatever you want to call it. And then, you know, drinking beer, which I mean, Hey, we all like that. But I mean, these guys are turning into athletes. I mean, these guys are training day in and day out just to, I mean, they're doing everything possible to keep their bodies up to par to where they can where they can compete. And well, with- I tell you what, where's it where's it showing through the most? 
it's shining through on the senior tour right now. These guys have completely changed their entire bodies. You look at Phil Mickelson now. He's in the he best looks, shape of his life. He looks in the best shape of his life, period. Bernhard Langer, same story, wearing, best shape of his Phil's, life. Phil's wearing T-shirts, or he's wearing, you know, his shirts and his arms. Like, you know, when, like, you're working out and you get that pump, you know, you throw, do the little curls and you get the pump and then the, the shirt of the sleeve kind of wraps around. It's like a tight – like, look at his pictures. I mean, you can see – that on his shirts like they're they're tight on his arms and he's i mean look we watched him do uh the fasting thing where he lost all that weight i mean he's doing all these things to generate speed i mean he's in the gym i mean look at, i mean what was the crazy thing where they showed that picture of him kind of on tour like 2004 he was like wearing like the he was sponsored by ford you know he's oh yeah he was wearing a big baggy yellow shirt he He was he looked plump he didn't look strong in the upper body he just looked like a he looked he looked like a like a car salesman he didn't look like a professional golfer yeah and now and then you fast forward like x amount of years you look at him and he's like he is built like an athlete i mean he's out there to compete and you know we we talk about the sport about being longevity right? Like, I mean, you got to do things and you got to take care of your body. That's the most important, whether uh, taking care of your body on, you know, a diet standpoint and making sure you're stretching and making sure you're lifting the, the, the correct amount of weight in the correct form in order to, you know, keep your body going. Because I mean, these guys are out there for hours and, you know, it, it, it's going to, I mean, I granted you're like swinging a club, but you're, I mean, you're swinging that hundreds of miles an hour. I mean, these guys are going all out and that's going to do some wear and tear on the back. I mean, we've seen Tiger do it. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I mean, we're looking at bright, listen, we're not even down that road, but I mean, got concerned for that guy with the way he's lashing out at the ball. I mean, but they're also doing preventive care to be able to do that for a longer period of time. Absolutely. And I mean, dude, you look at this senior tour leaderboard. Uh, we talked about this before we hopped on the podcast. There is some serious firepower going on right now in the champions tour. You got Phil Mickelson, Mike Weir, both masters champions finishing one, two. You've got Paul Goidos has been a name in the circuit for years finishing T3. You've got Bernhard Langer, who seems to going to be able to play golf into his 110s. It seems like he, he's just never going away. Um, and then you got KJ Choi, Retief Goosen, Ernie Els, all hall of famers, Jim Furyk. I mean, the list goes on and on about guys in this field that are just legends of the game. You got Miguel Anahel Jimenez. VJ Singh. I mean, like I said, it's just, you could go down this leaderboard and just pick out the hall of famers. It, it's unbelievable. And I, I mean, it just, it, it proves the fact of like, man, why, why did I only watch the PGA tour this weekend? I should have turned tuned into a little bit of the champions tour as well. Yeah, I, I agree too. I mean, it was crazy. Cause like I kept, I was trying to follow as much as possible. And I'll be honest, I didn't really catch much, but you know, you're seeing, seeing alerts pop up with, with the CJ cup and like all these people is like throwing around. And then next thing, you know, like next bang, there's Phil Mickelson and he's holding a trophy. I was like, what? I was like, how is this? Like he's two for two on the champions tour. It's um, it's something, it's something great to see. Um, he almost broke Miguel Angel Jimenez's uh, course record uh, through four days at this course in Virginia. He was 17 under, he missed it by one, I believe. Um, he, he put a new driver into play. Phil's still tinkering. Phil's the same old Phil. Oh, Phil, um, Phil will always tinker. He, he's just, uh, he's, I think he's finding his stride again. Um, it's neat to see him in the winner circle. Um, you know, it's one of those weird things where he, he turned 50 so he can play. Um, and and I, I think it's fair. It, it, it's it's cool to see. And anyone else who turned 50 would have done the same thing Phil did and go play where he's allowed to play. Yeah. I just, what confuses me and I, I mean, I looked at it the last time from what that one tournament he played in and won compared to the previous uh, profession, like the PGA event. And the yardages what weren't far off from what they were playing, total yardages. Uh-uh. So, like, what makes – I mean, like, what is in him to where he can go out and he, like, kicks ass on the, P, uh, the Champions Tour – but damn, he gets onto like the PGA tour events and it's like all hell breaks loose and he just can't. Didn't you and I out. talk about this? When he gets in the realm of other legends, it becomes like the good old boys club. He feels yeah. a little reminiscent of the old days, maybe. I'm not 100% sure, 
but it, it, I feel like it could be one of those things where he gets in that good boy, good old boys club mentality. And he's like, it's 2004 again. And Phil Mickelson's the best golfer in the world. And then you come back on tour and you got the likes of Victor Hovland. You got the likes of Colin Morikawa. You got the likes of these kids where I think he's just swinging out of his absolute shoes to try and keep up with the new age of golfers that he's not doing that with the 60 and 70 year olds. I just don't think he's swinging the same. Probably not. Like he's definitely, yeah, he's swinging more controlled, but I mean, he was just posting numbers today with like 181 ball speed and like 337 carries. So it's like, dude, like you're still keeping up with those guys. You don't, don't, here's, here's the way we're going to finish this conversation. I think you don't go win back-to-back tournaments somewhere and then go miss cut somewhere else and it not be mental. It has to be mental. It's gotta be. So Phil, I don't know what you're doing, bud, but if you want to come on a show and talk about it, I'd love to, ha- I'd love to hear your aspect on uh, wh- what the difference is there. So be interesting to see um, what's going to be really interesting to see is who wins the Zozo championship this, this week coming up. If everyone remembers last year was the Zozo championship. They was played overseas again, kind of like the CJ cup last week, they've brought the Zozo into Vegas um, into that area to uh, kind of, I guess, keep the, COVID-19 risks at bay. Um, Tiger won it last year, uh, tied Sam Snead for all time, 82 wins. Um, He's got a chance to obviously break that win this week at the Zozo, uh, but on American soil. So um, it'll be interesting to see. 33 to one odds Tiger Woods is to take this tournament home. I think that's great betting odds. I'm looking at the power rankings here. He didn't even make the top 15, which is a little bit of a shade throw to the, uh, the you know, I think one of the greatest golfers of all time. Yeah, it, probably because he hasn't been playing and they're just pulling off of what the guys did last week because all the guys on there were like the ones in the t- that were le- uh, leading or up there. Um, Absolutely. But, I think there's some recency bias in that top yeah. 15. Um, yeah, where? So where is it? Oh, Sherwood's in. So Sherwood is in actually in California, right? Yeah. Sherwood's like in Tiger's backyard from where he grew up. Um, From what I understand, Tiger's got a lot of familiarity with Sherwood. Um, He's played a good many tournaments there in the past and actually had some success there back in the past. Um, So it's going to be interesting to see if Tiger comes out of the gate uh, for some, I would say a ho-hum year, Um, you know, nothing really crazy out of Tiger this year. Um, you know, he won the hero world challenge. that has been hosted at Sherwood five different times. So like I said, tons of success at this course before, do I think he can turn back the clock and just come out of the woodworks, come out of his backyard chipping oasis and just come win a tournament? I don't know. I think he's at least going to make the cut and contend, but that's just a tiger fanboy and me talking. Yeah. Um, I don't know. It, it really depends. I think, it depends on how the course is set up because when he won the Zozo, I mean, it was, it was a second shot course and he did it with his irons. He was able to flight it. He was, he was able to control the ball insanely well. uh, He played with Gary Woodland most of that week. And Gary Woodland said it was the best he's ever seen anyone in professional golf hit irons that week. Um, And and that week, well, that week was after a long layoff. Tiger took a long layoff before going over there. He played in one kind of weirdly, if you remember this like pro-am, televised pro-am. It was when they were still figuring out the kinks of Mike and everybody up uh, yeah. before they've kind of gotten it down pat through all this COVID stuff. Uh, he played in that, sprayed the ball everywhere. So it was like a no foreshadowing of how he was going to play at the Zozo. Um, but I don't know. I'm interested. Tiger's either going to miss the cut or he's going to contend. I, I don't think there's any weird in between here. Yeah. Yeah, there's no there's – no... I mean, that's just the way it is now with Tiger. It's he, he's, either, he's either contending or it's just go home. Well, and it's, uh, <laughs> and, and, and it's no offense to Tiger here because, like I just said, I'm a huge Tiger fan, boy. I'll ride Tiger train till he's, uh, you know, dead and gone. If he's got nothing, he's going to mail it in. He's not going to try and fight for a 35th to 45th place finish. That's just not going to happen. But if he's got something and he's around the top 10, Come Saturday afternoon, the man's gonna fight for that championship. That's yeah. just in his blood. Oh yeah, I. I mean, that's Tiger Woods. He likes to compete. Tiger Woods, man. So Always with that compete. being said, we got to we got to take some picks into picks. into this week. 
Now we can leave it till Thursday or we can get them out of the way on Tuesday. I can let it boil for you a little bit, see who you want as we get a little bit closer, or we can pick picks today. I'm comfortable with whatever. I'm picking picks today. We're picking picks today? Yeah. Well, who are we picking picks? Well, I think Xander's due for one soon. I mean, we always say that, but he's, I mean, he's really due for one. He's like right there. But mm-hmm. one person that's coming back into the face of the PGA and really starting to make some moves and has been really playing well. We discussed this off camera, Bubba Watson. I'm going with Bubba. I mean, I love watching the guy play. I love how he works the ball. If he can putt, it, he, and the way he's playing lately, he can get it done. I, I think he'll, he's due for a couple in, in the in the next couple months. I'm a really big fan of that. Um, like you said, you and I were talking off camera a little bit about Bubba's uh, trending towards the fall uh, here. He, he loves, I, I think it's without question, obviously with his two Masters championships, he loves playing the Masters. If he gets himself trending, not only this week, but as we roll into the fall Masters in November, um, Bubba Watson could be a very lethal golfer to watch out for down the fall stretch here and into the Masters. I'm excited. Um, if he gets any kind of heat going, um, it's always fun to watch him play and especially play well um, at Augusta. So I like that pick. Um, it's something where, like you said, he's kind of just been sneaking his way up top 20, then a top 10. So he's in the right direction. And I think that's a great pick to go into Sherwood this week. How about you? You got anybody? I mean, like I said, I'm an absolute Tiger fanboy. I really want to take Tiger, but I simply can't. Um, I might throw 10 bucks on him because he's 33 to one odds, but I don't, I don't think I can actually take him um, as a legitimate pick only for this reason saying um, I just, I haven't seen him play. You know, I actually haven't seen him hit a golf ball in God knows how long. Um, I think I got to go with someone who you forementioned it a little bit there and I thought you were just going to go with him. Um, but I think the X man, I think Xander gets it done this week. Um, I think Xander Shoffley comes and brings it, uh, a hometown California kid. I think he gets it done at Sherwood. Yeah. I mean, I think like even at the, at the CJ cup, like he was on 59 watch, but like he said, he's just like just a couple of putts just didn't fall. I mean, if they fell, it was, he had it, he had it locked, but that's a good pick. Uh, it's going to be exciting to see what these guys can do. The court, I'm actually on the on the main page of uh, Sherwood, looking at some of the holes. A lot of, I mean, the views are gorgeous. So it's going to be it's going to be fun to watch. Hopefully, I can finally sit down and maybe watch some. But absolutely, yeah, it's one of those courses where following. if you guys can get to you know can get to the TV this weekend, it's one of those really really awesome venues to watch. It, it presents itself well on TV, and obviously there's going to be you know just absolutely astonishing golf being played as there's a large majority of the top 25 in the world playing this uh, this week coming up. So excited to see that, guys. Um, if you don't follow us already, go to Instagram and Twitter at Enjoy the Walk Pod on Instagram and Twitter. Follow us, give us a like, give us a shout out, uh, hit us up, tag us, whatever. Interact with us, guys. We love uh, hearing what you think of the podcast. We love mucking it up with you guys, seeing where you guys are enjoying the walk out there, uh, East Coast to West Coast and everywhere in between. Um, and speaking of East Coast and West Coast and everywhere in between, um, as we've announced in past weeks, the Single Strap Society is live. If you guys want to become a digital member or a physical member of the Single Strap Society, you guys get logo merch, you guys get logo golf towels, uh, you guys get to be a member of the online group, the Single Strap Society, which gives you a publication that we're curating um, from you guys uh, by us to get you guys the only walkers by walkers for walkers publication in your hands um, that exists. So we're really excited to be debuting that. If you guys want more information, go to www.enjoythewalkpod.com. Click the link single strap society to read all about where and how you can join. Uh, next up, guys, we have a really special guest, Allison Kurt. Uh, she's Golf Magazine's top eight teachers in the world to watch. She's the LPGA top 50 teacher, 2016 SoCal PGA Teacher of the Year, Golf Digest Best Young Teacher in America. We could go on and on, but we'll let her speak for herself. Guys, Allison Kurt. 
Welcome back to the Enjoy the Walk podcast, ladies and gentlemen. This one's pretty neat as we have a LPGA professional who played inside the ropes at Aronimic last week at the KPMG Women's PGA Championship. If you guys don't know, uh, Dr. Allison Kurt is a PGA master professional. The accolades run f- way farther than I think we could spend time on in this podcast. So I'll keep it brief and just let her explain a little bit about herself. But Allison, thank you so much for joining the show. Thank you. I'm really excited to chat with you and appreciate you supporting and watching last week and reaching out to have me as a guest. So really excited to talk about my journey and my experience last week. And um, to give everyone a little bit of background of who I am and, and how I've gotten to this place in a Cliff Notes version, hmm. currently the director of instruction at Wood Ranch Golf Club out in Los Angeles, California, and I'm a PGA master and an LPGA master professional, as well as a doctor in psychology. And how that all culminated to that place was starting and picking up the game as young as seven years of age and really just enjoyed the thrill of competing and trying to be my best throughout all the different ranks of high school golf and college golf and earning a college scholarship. And that led me into a life of being a golf professional within the club environment. And then around 2014, I branched off from being an employee and created my own business, Allison Kurt Golf, where I was able to focus strictly on teaching and helping golfers be their best. And there was this point in my early stages of teaching where I wanted to help golfers more from the inside out rather than from the outside in. And that led me down to the path to earn my doctorate in psychology and become a licensed therapist in the state of California so that I would have the credentials and the know-how to be able to help individuals with performance anxiety or issues and conflicts that they might face in their life. And so where that brings me today in a nutshell is um, great humbleness to be recognized within the industry with different teaching awards and golf professional awards at the section and national level and being able to have the privilege to help my students be the best that they can be using golf as that tool and that uh, vehicle to help them achieve that. Man, that's incredible. There's so much to break down in, in, the, in what you just described is, you know, your your quick notes version of your journey uh, within the game. And, it, and it's really incredible to see. And, you know, like like you said, it kind of all culminated with you being able to play um, at Aronimic last week. You know, take us through that um, process. Is, is there a qualifying series to get into that? Or do you know, how, how did you, you know, get yourself in the position to play at the Women's PGA Championship last week? Well, for many years, the LPGA championship, which was for about 30 plus years called the Wegmans LPGA championship, always held spots for club professionals to qualify into the event. And it used to be just one individual per section. We had five sections across the country that qualified into the LPGA championship. And then a couple of years ago, PGA and KPMG formed an amazing partnership and took over the LPGA championship which we now know as the KPMG Women's PGA Championship. And so those spots for club professionals are still available. And in order to qualify for that, PGA and LPGA members compete in the national championship, the LPGA Professional National Championship. And there are eight spots reserved there for club professionals. And incidentally, there is an additional spot that can be earned through playing in the PGA Women's Winter Stroke Play Championship. So in total, there's nine potential opportunities for or nine spots for professionals to play into an LPGA tour major event. That's incredible. Um, It's something that always amazes me, whether it's, you know, on the women's side of the ball or even the men's side of the ball, when you see, you know, everyday professionals who make a career out of teaching um, and, and, you know, holding positions, whether it's like yourself having kind of your own academy or, you know, holding head professional positions you know, they, they get the chance to play and tee it up with the pros, tee it up with the best in the world. Um, and, and it was just so cool to see, um, you know, Dante lives just outside of Philadelphia and New Jersey. Um, I grew up in Pennsylvania and took a couple trips to Aronimic as they held, as they held different events there throughout the years. Um, it was really neat to see the women's PGA championship being played at Aronimic because it just held a little bit of familiarity to us. Um, you know, walk us through what it was like playing um, in obviously a little bit different times with COVID and everything, but, you know, what was it like inside the ropes and, and how was your experience there at Aronimic? 
Well, my experience was absolutely incredible. Um, I've played in seven LPGA Tour majors, so I've seen it transition from Wegmans as being the title sponsor to KPMG and the PGA um, sponsoring the event and running the event. And so it's really elevated and empowered women's golf, I think, when KPMG came in. Because the quality of the golf courses changed, the elevation and the vast size of the event really grew, which was fantastic. And so with this being my seventh time being able to be inside the ropes, first time without spectators and family, it was um, truly, truly special and incredible. I actually appreciated and enjoyed a little bit of the quaintness, uh, the quietness, and the solitude of just having the players and the caddies on site, of course, the media and uh, support personnel, but to walk inside the ropes and just to be one with the golf course and be in a fantastic pairing. You know, I got to be paired with the winner of the event, Sayon Kim, played with her for two days. It was just really, truly special. The time of the year really elevated the aesthetic beauty of the golf course. Normally the event's held in June. So to be in Pennsylvania in early October, we couldn't have asked for better weather with the leaves changing and the grass being bright green and the weather being like a nice cool 60s, low 70s. It was just truly a magical experience. And with you all knowing Aronimic well, the aesthetics of the golf course are, are just superb. These little buildings that are placed throughout the course and um, the trees all around, the beauty of the houses, the green complexes, the practice facility was like a playground for any golf professional who just wanted to pitch and chip all day long. Uh, just truly exceptional and just so blessed and lucky to be able to take part in that. Oh, I think you hit the nail on the head. It, it seems like, and, and Dante's walked through Aronimic as well, so he knows it maybe even better than I do, but there's some holes at Aronimic that just seem larger than life with the elevation change, the kind of grandness of the green complexes and things like that. You know, was this your first time playing at Aronimic? And if so, um, you know, what was your kind of first thoughts as you walked through the practice rounds and really got a good feel for the golf course? So it was my first time playing in Aronimic. Um, I had played in Philadelphia only once before in 2003 at Philadelphia Country Club for a U.S. amateur. So not too familiar with Philly golf. And actually a couple of years ago when I was um, looking at the lineup of where K KPMG was going to be for the next five or six years, I had actually not heard, and I'm embarrassed to say this, I had never heard of the golf course. So, of course, that led me to look into some of the history of it. And then I felt a little ashamed that I hadn't heard of this piece of beauty before. Oh, don't um, feel don't feel ashamed <laughs> because I didn't know of Aronimic until the uh, BMW championship came in. We, I, <laughs> since like, I mean, the Philly area with all the way like the tours are run, it's very tough for like my area unless I'm driving two and a half, three hours just to go to a tournament to, to spectate. I never heard of it. So don't feel ashamed if you didn't hear it. <laughs> so we're on the same page there. Okay, good, good. Well, now that I've been there, I feel like everybody should know about it. And the major championships that have been held there have been phenomenal. And to have a LPGA event on that roster is, is really, really cool. Um, so, so definitely first time there, played three full practice rounds. Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday to really get a vibe for, for the golf course. Um, I think just in terms of planning and preparation, the TV coverage did not do any of the holes justice because of not being able to see the gradual elevation changes, not seeing the undulations in the green complexes. What makes that golf course is certainly the green complexes. Um, tee to green is pretty manageable. Um, of course, they always play this tournament quite long. Mm -hmm. And so when the greens are, I'm sorry, the fairways are a bit wet, it's hard to get some rollout. So there was a lot of hybrid five irons um, into those green complexes, which are so large and hardly a straight putt to be found. Meanwhile, all the surrounding collars are trimmed down just as closely knit as a golf green. So to hit a lob wedge to a short-sided pin was near impossible. Um, so the preparation is, you know, taking a few rounds was definitely needed. And for Young Kim to, to shoot what she did as, as many under par as she did is truly a, a test of her game um, because it was hard to get under par on that golf course. 
Well, and I think too, not, not only her success, but just the majority of the field that was in contention for them to play as well as they did and shoot the numbers that were being seen all weekend long. It seemed to, for the majority of the field, play tougher all weekend long, but there was a, I would say half of the field that really found success and contended um, all the way through Sunday. It was, it was really neat to see, you know, so much talent and so much um, great golf being played out at Aronimic that past weekend. It was, it was something that, you know, I always tell people and Dante advocates for this too, you know, there are a lot of the ladies that are out there can still hit it by a majority of us guys that just play, you know, to, to have fun with the game. So it's neat to see how long you ladies are hitting it. It's neat to see how just insanely accurate and how much talent there is out there on the LPGA tour right now. Yeah, I mean, what a great weekend to see Anna Nordquist be up on the leaderboard and NB Park coming back. And I think NB Park is probably the most unknown greatest golfer on the face of the earth. I mean, with for her to have so many tour wins and um, just just incredible for her to not to get the recognition that she hasn't gotten. Um, but just those on the leaderboard, Brittany Lincecum taking the lead early on. I was able to play behind Cece Lewis for two days. I mean, just some really phenomenal golfers out there playing some great golf on a really difficult golf course. And yeah, I would say for the amateur golfers out there, especially the amateur men um, who really enjoy watching LPGA golf, I often hear from my students that they find it's more relatable, that they can relate their game to an LPGA player. And I have to chuckle a little bit inside because most amateur men are nowhere close to the accuracy and the distance of an elite LPGA player. Well, absolutely. I think you're spot on. And it's just, you know, guys try and, I guess, you know, bring something down to size when they obviously see the men's side of the ball hitting it 80, <laughs> 90, 100 yards past what they can hit it. And, and, and you hit it spot on too. I mean, to, to just have the accuracy that was needed around Aronimic to even shoot near par and under par as, you know, the top 20 in the field uh, got close to, I think it was actually top 15 were even par or better. Um, you know, it was just something that obviously that, that's just world-class golf being played um and it was something it was something really enjoyable as a golf fan to sit back and just watch the golf course was on great display and so was the women's golf that, that past weekend that's awesome that's great to hear and I, I love the support that you have of of the tour and we just need more more supporters like you to be vocal about it and how how fun it is to watch um, great to see KPMG on NBC early Sunday morning before all the other sporting events hit. So hopefully maybe some new viewers popped in and were able to, to take a peek. That and every year, I mean, I'm, I'm like 45, 50 minutes from Atlantic city and they have the shop right at Seaview every year. And, you know, I've, I was like always some, something came in the way, whether I was probably playing some type of member event on my end. And it was always that weekend. I've always kept on making it a note for myself to go down and watch it. Cause that's like one of the closest uh, events that are played on a year to year basis to go and, and see. And I want to see an LPGA event and what better to do at Seaview because I mean, and I wanted to, I was planning on going this year and of course COVID got in the way, but I mean, I'm lucky to be playing an event uh, with a buddy of mine this Saturday there. And it's on the same course that they played about two weeks ago. So I'm excited to step on the same grass that they were just on and kind of see, and then hopefully I can maybe possibly watch some highlights from uh, the weeks past and just kind of compare to see what I did to what obviously I can't do what they can. <laughs> That's great. Well, I hope you enjoy it. And yeah, I do hope you get an opportunity to, to see an LPGA event in action. They're, they are, they're fun to watch and they're also fun to be on the inside of the ropes. I can only imagine being inside the ropes because um, I went to a um, a U.S. Open um, on for, with the women's side of the ball at uh, Lancaster Country Club, I believe it was back um, when Michelle Wee contended in 2015. Um, I believe was the year. Might have my dates wrong on that. It might, but at around that time period, and just to go out there and watch, um, I feel like the crowds are a little smaller than a PGA event, but it makes it so much more i mean i think the word might be intimate as far as you can get right up on the ropes um and watch these world-class players play at, at such an elite level and um it, it was an experience that you know from that point forward i always made a point if i was anywhere near an lpga event to try and at least sneak out for a day and, and watch some golf because um it, it's something that's it's completely different um, than a pga tour event for all the right reasons and it was a lot of fun to go out and watch those ladies play that's really great to hear. And I think 
my fandom of the LPGA started so young being able to watch the greats like Kari Webb and Annika Sorenstam compete at their peaks in the mid to late 90s. Um, there was a, a stop in St. Louis, Missouri, where I grew up. It was the Michelob Light Classic or Michelob Ultra Classic. And they actually had a day where junior girl golfers were able to play in a scramble format with an LPGA player. And I was paired up, was able to get into the event, and I was paired up with a pro named Sherry Turner, who had uh, quite a successful run on the LPGA from the 80s to 90s. And just to be able to play with an LPGA pro in a golf tournament inside the ropes as a young, as a young girl was so motivating and inspirational. And I just don't feel like that happens all that much on the PGA Tour. I don't feel like there's a lot of opportunities for, for young male boys to get an opportunity to play with PGA Tour players. So that's something that's um, really great about the LPGA Tour is whether it's through LPGA, USGA girls golf programs, or just their connection with young girl golfers, it's very accessible to get to the players. Absolutely. I, I think it's just, it, it's so different, which is why it's so, uh, so great and advantageous for the, the young girls that want to get into the game. Um, I think there's a, a really huge opportunity to do so. Um, and, and I think, you know, what's what we're seeing now too is a lot of lpga professionals whether it's on the you know inside the ropes or like yourself who are actually teaching the game um are are so open to growing the game um with with young ladies that want to get into it um that there's so many opportunities for girls who want to play the game to get out there um if they seek if they seek it out um to actually you know kind of get some I, i would say even more preferred treatment than a lot of guys side because they, they can seek out those LPGA teachers. They can seek out the ladies in the game who've, you know, kind of pioneered to this point and, and gotten themselves um, in successful positions like yourself um, that they can kind of learn from and, and, you know, only I can imagine uh, grow from as well and, and learn kind of the ropes of, of what it's like to be um, a, a high ranking woman within the game. Yeah, definitely a major advantage for any junior girl who wants to stand out, pick golf, because um, you can get lost in soccer and softball and basketball and golf is really competitive, but you can also stand out and really be recognized um, and pay your way through college and um, transfer it over to business elements. There's so many different benefits to having a girl include the game of golf in her life. It's just wonderful. Absolutely. Um, so let, let's spin it a little bit into kind of just your your path within the PGA and the LPGA and becoming um, a master professional um, within both organizations. Um, talk us through that path to gaining your your PGA master professional um, certification. You know, what did that look like and, and how did you kind of pave your own way within both of those industries to uh, to kind of see yourself where you're at today? Well, in the PGA, I became a master professional in 2011. And that really looks like moving through a certification process of, of, at the time, it has evolved since then, but first having membership and then shifting into a certified professional, which was additional education. And then finally a master professional where you end up writing an exceptionally long project and paper and then presenting it in front of peers and then teaching a live lesson. And so that was attained in 2011. And that was at that point, one of the highlights of my career, because at that point there was only, I believe 12 or 13 women who had achieved PGA master status through the different disciplines. You could do executive management, retail operations um, or teaching and coaching. And I selected teaching and coaching. And so for the LPGA, you have to wait 10 years. You have to be a member for 10 years before you can attempt your um, master project. And their project is quite a bit different. It is more of a thesis style project. And coincidentally, I was right around the time in my doctoral program where I was conducting research for my thesis Um, or my doctoral project. And I was able to transfer a lot of the information and take some ideas and topics and expand it to LPGA master professional. So I presented that a couple of years ago and um, have since been one of two women who have ever attained dual master status in both organizations. That's incredible. Um, I mean, I knew obviously going into it, there was a 
incredible amount of work behind attaining both statuses, but it wasn't quite aware of the complexity of both uh, master's statuses. I didn't know there was thesis papers. I didn't know there was, you know, all this behind the scenes that goes into it. It's, it's truly incredible. And I think just speaks to your passion within the game. And, and obviously even probably still to this day, uh, continuing to learn and build on not only, you know, your knowledge of the golf game, but as you got your doctorate uh, within psychology, your, your knowledge of the mind and, and how it all kind of ties in itself together. I'm definitely a student at heart. I'm one of those people. I really enjoy school. I enjoy the learning process and going through both of those um, master professional programs, if you will, helped me figure out who I was as a teacher, um, helped me understand where my strengths were in terms of knowledge sets and where my weaknesses were, where are some areas that I probably needed to get some more education. For the LPGA master project, what's really neat about that is to be able to pick what you're really passionate about and do the research in that, which was also coincidentally what I was doing in my doctorate program as well. So what's cool about that is then you can really specialize into an area where not a lot of people know know about. And so for me, that was golf and psychology and looking at how different athletic traumas impact golfers and how that athletic trauma can interfere with performance moving forward. So going through both of those projects really helped me um, better myself, understand myself, who I was as a teacher, and then be able to share that information with my students. So are you talking athletic trauma as in like physical injuries? No, psychological athletic trauma. And so all of us have at one point experienced a traumatic event, whether it's a loss of a job, a divorce, um, maybe family conflict, a trauma could also be loss of a loved one. When we look at it in terms of the athletic sense, athletic trauma in golf psychology would be an event that happens on the golf course that really exceeds our brain's ability to process the reality of that event. So let's say, for example, maybe you shank a shot in a tournament and it hits your playing partner. And so you're embarrassed and you're ashamed of that whole event. And now all of a sudden you have the chipping yips. So that could be a potential athletic trauma. If we think back to Jordan Spieth a couple of years ago when he had the issue at the Masters, um, hitting several balls in the water, you know, he's coasting along and all of a sudden the first ball goes in the water, second ball goes in the water, third ball goes in the water, then he's chipping over the green. That's an athletic trauma because at that level, having that big of a score on that type of a hole, not only is it embarrassing, um, but it's going to cause performance disruptions. And if you look at his performance one year later, as soon as he got to that particular hole, the same thing happened. And he basically relived that experience one year later. That would be a good example of an athletic trauma. So some of the things that I've done in my um, private practice in psychology is to use some different psychological modalities to help athletes overcome those athletic traumas, those things that interfere with their performance on the golf course. Man, I would sign up for that masterclass in a heartbeat. <laughs> I think as amateur golfers who have played at least a little bit of um, competitive golf, uh, I played a little in college and some amateur events. And it's like, you know, sometimes I, I went through the putting yips for about three and a half years um, to two in college. And then it kind of trickled its way out of college too. And um, it's something that peeks its head every now and then. And, and now that I look back on it, boy, I would sign up for that masterclass in a heartbeat to, uh, <laughs> to maybe battle those demons a little bit. Definitely. I would say almost nearly every golfer at some point can recall some sort of upsetting or traumatic event that occurred during the course of performance. Um, and then just to see how the body and the brain relives that experience as soon as it becomes triggered or is put into a like or similar situation. Uh, it's very similar to PTSD and it's elements of PTSD just occur on the golf course and in performance. Wow. That's incredible. Um, it's something I feel like we could have an entirely, uh, you know, full podcast just in that section of the game. And obviously <laughs> nah, your we're, expertise we're is si your... we're signing up for the class. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so speaking of signing up for the class, um, you know, obviously um, you have your, your website and everything that you do out in Southern California. Um, is there ways to get a hold of you online? Do you do online teaching? You know, how can folks from across the nation uh, get in touch with you to maybe, you know, dive in a little bit more to what we were just talking about? Yes, most certainly with uh, this 
change in our global world with COVID this past year. I think golf instructors have had to adapt and find ways to be remote. Um, at one point in time, none of us were teaching because we couldn't get close enough to a student. So there are two ways to work with me. Um, and so this year really encouraged me to figure out those pathways to do it. So from a physical perspective, if there's an individual that wants to take an online lesson with me, um, certainly we have the capabilities with Zoom, but also uploading some videos and getting back a swing analysis and also a plan for how to improve particular flaws. And that's just searching my name, Allison Kurt Golf, heading over to my website, allisonkurtgolf.com, and then looking at the process for uploading videos for swing analysis. But what's really expanded this year is the online mental coaching sessions. So during COVID, there was a lot of players who were like, you know, maybe it's time to finally work on my mental game and was able to um, create a pretty solid following of working with some different golfers on some mental skills, some golf psychology skills. And I just set those up via Zoom when our schedules match up. And then I can really meet with anybody across the globe, across the nation to help improve their skill set when it comes to golf psychology. It's incredible. I think you've got two students sitting right now on the other side of the screen from you. There's no <laughs> doubt about that. No, uh, I need the mental and the physical side of it. <laughs> <Don't laughs> um, yeah, yeah, definitely. Uh, both of us on the mental side of the things. Um, my Lord, uh, that's just incredible. I, I love to see, you know, obviously uh, when we first saw um, just kind of your profile and everything uh, that we were first led to your website, um, you have a seriously robust website, which is really impressive. Uh, it reads well, and I suggest everyone go to it. Like you said, allisonkurtgolf.com. Um, you guys can go check out, uh, book a lesson, physical lesson, like she said, an online lesson. She's got the mental game. She's got golf tips um, and more. She's got just, you've got just about everything on your website, which is um, really, if any golfer needs uh, or wants anything from you in any sense or, or fashion, I think they can find it at, uh, through your website. Perfect. And I also suggest um, with everyone heading to social media to get their golf tips these days, you know, it's YouTube and social media, feel free to follow me on Instagram or Facebook or on YouTube, because I'll occasionally get into a rut of posting some swing tip videos or posting my experience at KPMG or just whatever's happening in, in the field of golf to offer you some insight and motivation and wisdom for your game. I love it, guys. Go give her a follow. Um, she's seriously one of the, I, I, I was going to say up and coming, but I think the the past few years of accolades say you've already, you're there. Um, obviously, you are, I'm sure you want to continue to keep improving, but uh, just the accolades since like at least 2012 that you've been raking in are seriously impressive. And um, it's something where, you know, we admire you for everything you're doing within the game and, and all the students. I'm sure you're having a positive impact on. Um, Allison, it's been a pleasure having you on the show and talking with you. Um, thanks for joining us. And and guys, go give her a follow, go book a lesson, um, support her and everything you can to do with women's golf. Thanks so much, Dalton and Dante. Appreciate your time. Absolutely. Take care. Oh, thank you. One shot at a time.